Good morning, and welcome to the worship of God here at Old Town Community Church online. For those of you who are joining us, maybe some of you uh, are joining us through a Facebook link with friends or uh, others, other ways. Uh, my name is Phil Fag. I'm the pastor here. And aren't we in a most unusual and unique time in our country? Uh, as we, as a church, have responded to uh, many community leaders advising uh, social distancing, this past week, our leadership team voted for us to uh, suspend all public gatherings at least through uh, March 25th so that we can do our part, so that we can do our part to protect the most vulnerable in our community. And for all of those in our family of faith, uh, I thank you for your support and I thank you for your understanding as we navigate this time. One of the things that uh, has already been so clear to me is how much indeed uh, we cherish our freedom and our opportunity to be together. I, I must tell you, uh, in this room right now, uh, there's me, uh, there's Michael and Alan helping us with tech, by the way, thank you very much, guys, and there's Brian, who you're going to see in a moment. And it is a very surreal scene uh, to be in the sanctuary this morning at 11 uh, without God's people gathered together, uh, to be in this place at 212 South Washington and to recognize the quiet that's on the street. We cherish our public gatherings, and let us, when we get through this time, and we will get through this time, let us always use this as a reminder of how important it is as God's people to be together. But while we cherish our public gatherings, we also recognize as the church of Jesus Christ that we are the church of Jesus, not just on Sundays, not just on Sundays in this room, but we are the church of Jesus Christ Monday through Saturday. And God will call us and God will use us to minister to the most vulnerable in our community and to help the least of these during this time. It is my commitment and the commitment of the leadership team here at Old Town Community Church to continually and ceaselessly look for ways that we can be of support to people and help those in need during such a time as this. We're going to look for ways that we can run errands for those who can't get out of their homes. We're going to look for ways that we can also just support and encourage those first responders. By the way, let me just say to you right now, if you are out and you are able and it's uh, healthy to do so, let me encourage you to take something, a note of kindness or uh, some good to a first responder in your area. Show them support. And lastly, let me just ask you to do this. If you have a need, if you have a need for prayer, you can email office at oldtown.cc. If you have any need, reach out to our pastoral staff team by calling 703-549-5544. Brian will share with you a lot more resources uh, that you can use during uh, this time. Before I turn it over to Brian, let me just say this. We trust in God Almighty. We thank God for the way that God has led us and the way that God will continue to lead us throughout not only decades here at Old Town Community Church, but how God is going to lead us through this time. And I want to thank our leadership team. I want to thank our staff team for doing all that they have done to make this opportunity to gather online virtually possible. While we may not be together 
publicly live. We are together in our spirit as we worship God this morning. We are together virtually, and I know that you will continue to pray and support one another during this time. We'll continue our journey through Lent. Uh, we will continue our journey in this series of what it means to be uh, the people of God. And last week, we explored the story of Abraham and Sarah and how God called them to be the father and the mother of the nation of Israel and the nation of Israel, which would be a vessel of God's glory uh, to the world and the nation of Israel from which Jesus, our Savior, would eventually come. We celebrated that the way that God called Abraham and Sarah is, in a, a lot of ways, the very same way that God issues invitations for us to follow him. We, we celebrated that God calls us, that God initiates this relationship and how wonderful that reality is. And we also explored this idea that when God calls us to leave our stuck and settled place, whatever that place may be, that God challenges us to leave and to follow him in obedience, and God promises to bless us. And whatever we leave behind, whatever God calls us to leave behind, God replaces it with that which is infinitely better. So one of my favorite quotes of the spiritual life, I shared it last week, it simply says, the human destiny was to live in God's creation with God's creatures on God's Terms. And we saw that the, the terms for Abraham and Sarah were to leave that land and that he would bless them and they would be a blessing to others. So we pick up the story. Abraham and Sarah followed and they became the father and the mother of faith. And then as we read through the book of Genesis, we are introduced to some new characters as the nation of Israel begins to, to take shapes. For example, we're introduced to Isaac, Abraham's promised son. Then we're introduced to Jacob and Esau, the, the quarreling brothers, and we're introduced to a guy named Joseph and his jealous brothers. And along the way, the people of Israel ended up in Egypt. Now, here's what's really interesting. Even though they were in Egypt, God continued to bless them. God continued to increase their number. God's promise to Abraham that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars, it was actually coming true, even while they're in Egypt. But then things turned bad. A new king in Egypt came into power who saw that the Israelites were growing in number, and he felt threatened. And so he began to enslave the people and to treat them terribly. And then as we continue to read their story, along came a guy named Moses who had a, an interesting and fascinating birth story. And then through some different twists and turns, Moses was eventually called to lead the nation of Israel out of Egypt and to the land that God promised them. Through a series of supernatural events known as the plagues, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, finally let them go. He told them to get up and get out of Egypt. He was sick and tired of them, and so they did. And the text tells us that the nation of Israel at this time included about 600,000 men, and that doesn't even include women and children. And so maybe we're looking at a million and a half people, maybe something like that. Now, for those of you who are in the military, that is an incredible troop movement to take that many people and leave a land to go to the place that God would promise them. 
Now, as the story goes, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, couldn't stand to let all of that free labor go, and he started chasing them. This always happens when people who exploit others, when people have free labor, they end up wanting to chase them down and get even more. Well, the people get to the edge of the Red Sea. So, the nation of Egypt, or the Egyptians are pursuing them. The nation of Israel is in between their captors, and they're in between the sea. And then something extraordinary, something extraordinary happened. Take a look at this video. That, that is a great movie. And let me just ask you, don't switch over on your computer and start watching the rest of the movie. Stay with me longer. But it's an incredible moment in the story of the nation of Israel. You can read about it in Exodus 13 through 15. Then another high point came for them on Mount Sinai when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. And so we see for the nation of Israel two really high points. We have the sea, and then we have Sinai. But there was something in between those two. There was something in between the sea and Sinai, and that was a desert. And this brings us to our text this morning. We find the people of promise and blessing, the people of Abraham and Sarah. We find them now wandering with their leader Moses in the desert. Our text is found in Exodus 15, verse 22 through chapter 17, verse 7. It's a very long text, so I'm just going to summarize most of it and then read the last few verses. Exodus 15, 22 through 27, we find the people are in the desert of Shur, and they have been without water for three days. They come to a place called Mara, and there the water was nasty and it was bitter. If you lived in this area in the 80s and 90s and maybe even longer, and if you ever tasted water in the Potomac, maybe that's what it was like for them. I encourage you, don't run out and taste it today either. But they started complaining to Moses, and then God led Moses to take a piece of wood and throw it into the water, and then the water supernaturally became suitable for them to drink. God provided for them in that place. And then in Exodus chapter 16, the people enter what was called the desert of sin. Now, it would be really tempting to suggest that the name of the desert mean rebellion or sinfulness, but it was just really short. The, the name was just a geographical location, perhaps short for Sinai. The people were there, and they were hungry, and they started grumbling again. They told Moses that back in Egypt, they were slaves, but they were treated better. At least they had something to eat. And so God then again provided for them manna and quail in the desert. Now let me read the last part of the text, starting with Exodus 17, verses 1 through 7. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. And so they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what I am to do, what am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people, 
Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel and he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? This is the word of God for the people of God. Here's what I want us to do this morning. Just like Abraham and Sarah's call was a prototype for the way that God calls us, the experience that Israel had in the desert, we can also see traces in our own lives as well. And I want us to see a classic human response to the desert and then two incredible and powerful ways we see God at work. First of all, I want us to see the rumble of the grumble. Three times in the desert journey, the people of Israel grumbled and complained to God. Now, it is almost standard fare when people take a look at this passage to make the entire passage about people grumbling and their lack of faith. But that is really not the main focus of this passage, but it does deserve just a moment of our time. The people had experienced extraordinary miracles at the hand of God. They had seen a pathway made in the middle of the sea. Imagine that, just walls of water separated so that they could go through, so that they could be set free from bondage in Egypt. Now we find them in the desert wondering if God led them out there just for them to die. Now, yes, this is an incredibly short memory on their part. And looking back, it is hard for us to imagine how they can witness such a miracle and then have such a crisis of faith. However, remember that as a nation, they are still in their infancy as a people as it relates to their relationship with God. And just as an infant can be so sweet and so cute right after feeding this infant, This infant will soon cry like it's nobody's business when it's hungry again. When this happens, we don't wonder why in the world is that infant crying. We don't wonder, well, why can't that infant just remember how it was fed before and not cry in the future? This brings us to the classic human response to a desert. We have this incredible tendency to base our view of reality on our own circumstances. Let me say that again. We have this incredible tendency to project and to base our view of what we think is real based on our personal circumstances. The people of Israel were hungry and in the desert. They remembered when, although they were slaves and being mistreated, they remembered when they had food to eat in Egypt. So they concluded then, because they were hungry, they concluded that God must not care for them, and they questioned God's goodness. Is it a leap to say we might actually do the same thing? Whatever is going on in our lives, we also have a tendency to magnify and then to project as reality in the world. If our financial situation is challenging, we may think the entire economy is in a mess. If our political candidate is not doing well, we may think the whole country is in free fall. If we have been hurt by someone, we may just decide that all people 
can't be trusted. If we had a bad experience at a church or a school, then we write all churches and all schools off. We start to think, if I am going through a hard time, then God must not care about me. The converse is also true. If our circumstances are going well, then life must be going well for everyone. In other words, our circumstances tends to define how we see reality in the world. Or if our team is winning, then for heaven's sake, don't shut down the league. Now, let me just say this real quick. Let me hit the pause button for a second because I've had many of you ask me, Do I, am I grieving the delay in the Major League Baseball season and not being able to go to Nationals games soon? And what I simply say to people and what I'll say to you today because I know this is a burning question on your mind, is absolutely not. The longer we don't play, the longer we are reigning champions. And have I mentioned we won the World Series in 2019? Let me go back to the sermon. It is an age-old human challenge to not allow your circumstances to define objective reality. And it is a sign of spiritual maturity to stay steady, even in the ups and downs of life. Let me say that again. It is a sign of spiritual maturity to stay steady, trusting God in the ups and downs of life. St. Paul described it this way to the Philippians. He wrote, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is like to be in need, and I know what it is is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. What is the context of that statement by Paul? It is the context of being content in your circumstances. And what Paul is saying is, I can be content no matter what the circumstances are because it is the Lord and the Lord alone that gives me strength. Isn't that such a good word for us in a time such as this? The coronavirus has reached pandemic levels in our world. Local, state, and national officials have asked us to be responsible and smart. I'm praying that God will wipe out this virus, and I'm trusting that God will use whatever method God desires to use, whether it is supernatural intervention, whether it is medical advancements, whether it is behavioral responses such as we have embraced here, like social distancing, and all over the nation, hopefully more and more people will embrace this if this is what God chooses to use, and simply good old common sense. I am praying that God will show us as his people how we can serve the most vulnerable in our city, and if, heaven forbid, if there is an outbreak here with significant numbers, and with even death, that God will lead us as his people to show us how to serve those who are hurting and those who are in need. And I'm praying this text from St. Paul. No matter our circumstances, no matter how long this lasts, and how deep the struggle may be, that we will turn to Jesus for our strength, and we will turn to Jesus for our contentment and find our peace in him. So let me offer this prayer point this morning.
Pray that regardless of your circumstances as we walk through this time, that you will trust in the goodness and the grace of God. Now back to the people of Israel in the desert. We see two incredible ways that God was at work. The first one is God's gracious patience and God's provision. I mean, that's really what this text is all about. This text is not about how Israel was short-sighted. It's about God. Three times Israel grumbled. The water is too bitter. We're hungry. We're thirsty. And they just didn't grumble. They questioned the goodness and God's motive. Again, imagine a five-year-old riding in the car and hungry and his parent telling this five-year-old, when we get home, I will feed you. And then the five-year-old just leans back in the back seat of the car and says, you drove me here so that you could starve me and that I would be hungry. And you're just driving too slow because you want me to be hungry and you want me to be angry. I am not sure how much patience I would have in that type of situation. I know my patience would run out quickly. And the text tells us that Moses was just done with the people. And they were done with him. But they wanted to stone him. But not God. Thank God God is not like us, right? We try to be more like God. Three times God provided water, manna, and quail. God looked on them with gracious patience and love. They were so vulnerable out there in the desert. It was harsh, and it was rough, and their only resource was God. God supernaturally intervened to give them water and to give them food. You know, I think what might be so disorienting to us about this pandemic is that it can make us feel really helpless, maybe like a medical desert. There is no cure. You have to wait it out and hope it is not too severe. The symptoms can be treated, but like virus, it has to run, most viruses, it has to run its course. And there will not be a vaccine for 12 to 18 months. Yes, we can practice common sense, but we tend not to prefer common sense in our world, don't we? We tend to prefer quick cures and pills to common sense. And we have to respect the power of this thing, just as the Israelites had to respect the power of the desert. And we have to count on the gracious hand of God. You know, I can't read about this gracious provision in the desert without seeing the cross of Jesus. Without Jesus, our souls are on a death march through the desert of life. Without Jesus, we are absolutely helpless. And yet God, in his gracious patience and provision, looked upon humankind and sent us a Savior. God looked upon us, the Bible says, even while we were still sinners, even while we grumbled through the desert of life, even while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us so that our souls could be filled and our souls could be nurtured. God sent bread and water to the Israelites in the desert. And my friends, I want to tell you today, on March 15th, 2020, God sent to you living water and the bread of life through Jesus Christ when he died for you on the cross, and he sent him to nourish your soul for all eternity. And there is not a pandemic in this world that can ever take that away from you, ever. God will nourish your soul. Jesus hung on the cross, hungry and thirsty, so that we could be nourished for all eternity. 
Are you in the desert today? Please know, please know, God works miracles in the desert. And God sees you and God loves you. The second thing God did in the desert, it's incredible, is that God gave the people of Israel a time of testing. We see this running all throughout chapters 15 through 17. God tested them in the desert. One example of a test was that when he promised manna in the morning, he told them that they could go out and they could gather up just enough manna for that day. He was going to give them just enough for that day. They should not collect any more than for that day. And if they did, the extra would spoil. The only day they were allowed to collect for two days was on the sixth day so that they could rest on the seventh. Now, there were some who went out and they hoarded. By the way, we've seen hoarding this week, haven't we? There's some who went out and they hoarded manna and all their manna went bad. Do you see what God was doing here as he tested them in this way? This was not a testing as in, okay, you pass and you fail, and if you fail, then away with you. No, God was training them. God was training them to depend on him daily. God was training them to be tethered to his side and to know every single day that they needed him and that he was their gracious father that would supply their daily needs. What did Jesus say? Give us today our daily bread. God gives us enough mercy for each day. God does not promise you tomorrow's mercies today but God promises that he will give you what you need today and tomorrow he will give you what you need tomorrow. This is the way he tested them and it's the way he will test us. He wants us to come to him daily. He wants us to demonstrate our love and our dependence on him daily. And this would be needed to strengthen the people of Israel as they move toward the promised land. What a powerful word in such a time as this. God will even use this time of testing in a pandemic, a medical desert. God will use this to strengthen our faith and to prepare us maybe for even greater challenges ahead. One of the verses that just has struck me during this time is found in 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. And often people will grab 1 Peter 5, 7 without grabbing 1 Peter 5, 6. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your anxieties on him, for he cares for you. But really, we cannot have that promise without a premise. And one of the things I like to say all the time around here is that we usually have, with the promises of God, we have a premise. And the premise is 1 Peter 5, 6, which says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he will lift you up in his due time and then cast your anxieties on him, for he cares for you. My friends, you cannot cast your anxiety on the Lord without first humbling yourselves under his mighty hand, first coming to him in trusting faith, believing that he will do what he needs to do in your life and believing that he'll lift you up in his due time and in his way. It is then that you can say, God, in your time, in your way, I'm going to trust you because I know you love me and here you take all 
of my anxiety. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he will lift you up in due time. Cast your anxieties on him, for he cares for you. Lessons from the desert. That place between the sea and Sinai. We are all going to have deserts in our lives. Let's allow God's goodness to shape our view of reality, not just our circumstances. Let's receive his gracious patience and provision through the cross of Jesus with open hands and open hearts. And let's be open to the ways that he tests and prepares us for even greater challenges ahead. Amen and amen. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the way that you speak to us and the way that you come to us and minister to us through your Holy Spirit as we consider these your words. Lord, I pray now that as we hear and as we continue to reflect upon the words that you have offered us today through this story of the nation of Israel, let them sink deeply into our hearts and to shape us for your glory and for our good. Lord, I pray that you would give us everything we need to be content. That you would, Father, take us by the hand and remind us that you are all we have in the end and all we need is you. Lord, remind us that you are gracious in your provision for us. Remind us, O oh God, that you will lift us up in your due time and that we can take all of our anxieties and place them squarely on you because you can handle them and that you care for us. Lord, now use this time, use the days, the hours, the weeks ahead to shape us to be the people that you want us to be. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his sustenance. We thank you that he is the living water and the bread of life. He is our water and our manna in the desert. In Jesus' name, amen.